Hey, Dan Miller here on the 48 Days Podcast. We're going to have some fun today thinking about some possibilities. And your fortune might be in your attic. Now, you know how Beanie Babies and Barbie dolls can now be worth a lot of money? Yeah, you may have some uh, teenage mutant ninja turtles stored away somewhere or some Star Wars figures. I'm going to tell you my latest area of interest, why I jumped out of something I could really dig and get into and how you probably have some hidden value in your own attic stored there, just waiting for you to unpack it. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, I got some fun things just to stimulate your thinking today I want to talk about, but also got some questions as usual from you, the listeners. Somebody says, Dan, you recently said that by risking failure, you would open yourself up to more deals and making far more money over time. How does that work? All right, here's another one. I'm a family doctor, but I'm going blind. How can I continue to make money? Somebody says, if I work overtime, I'm neglecting my family. If I don't work overtime, I'm neglecting my employer and our only source of income. And then somebody asked, will taking a job as a semi-truck driver just sidetrack or give valuable experience and resources toward my dream? Great questions as always. Let's jump into this. Our quotation for today comes from Helen Keller, who said, security is mostly a superstition. It does not exist in nature, nor do the children of men as a whole experience it. Avoiding danger is no safer in the long run than outright exposure. Life is either a daring adventure or nothing. They're coming from a lady who had some challenges herself. Life is either a daring adventure or nothing. Well, our resource today is 10 quotations to keep you motivated toward your dream. If you just go to 48days.com slash motivate, you'll find them there. All right, let's jump into some of this. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about, actually last week, I think I talked about Legos. Again, how Legos back in 2003, the company was $800 million in debt. Today, the valuation is $9.1 billion for that company. That's how much of a turnaround they did by allowing their fans to design new products, allowing their fans to send in old Legos that they'd then ship to needy kids. Well, here's another long-term legacy idea out there. You know, right, right now is a hot time for Girl Scout cookies. This is the season. I mean, other retailers kind of back off because they're so massive in what they do, Girl Scout cookies. However, the last couple of years, there've been some shortages in getting those cookies. Just the production can't keep up. Supply chain challenges, getting employees, you know, the normal kind of things that companies are working with are making it difficult to stay up with the demand. Well, you know what happens whenever there's a high demand on a product. There are people who will try to buy it, find it for the typical, you know, four to $7 a box, and then they'll go and sell them for $35 on eBay. Well, there's particular flavors out there like Raspberry Rally, is a, seems to be a pretty hot one right now. 
And uh, so there are people doing that. Anyway, just interesting to watch some of these old brands and how they stay valuable over time. Now, some brands don't. I mean, I talked even recently about the fact that Ford Motor Company is now no longer making a four-door sedan car. You know, their staple over the years, no longer there. They've moved totally into SUVs and pickup trucks. Well, brands have to stay current, but some of these brands take on kind of an unusual value over time. Some of the other things that are in kind of the playful arena, Beanie Babies, I already mentioned that in the opening. Yeah, Thai Seaweed, the otter, is currently valued at about $7,000. What about Star Wars? You know, some of you probably got some Star Wars figures out there. A 1978 Luke Skywalker figure recently sold for $25,000. There's an original Barbie from 1959 in mint condition, still in the box, just sold for $27,450. And a lot of those Barbies are worth quite a bit of money. You know, it's funny because it seems these things kind of fade in popularity, and yet certain ones, because they're rare, go up in value exponentially. In the teenage... Mutant Ninja Turtles, in the mint condition undercover series, Raphael, Michelangelo, or Leonardo, or or a scratched cat, are likely to be worth several thousand dollars. But hey, here's my new area of interest. And you'll understand this immediately if you're a, a regular listener. Hot Wheels, Hot Wheels, golly, I'm following this. Now, here, here's the deal. I enjoy cars. A lot. But where we currently live, we have a two-car garage. Now, up in Tennessee, I had unlimited space, so I had cars that I could have four or five at a time. And I like to just have cars, play with them, flip them, and all that. Just enjoy them. But here I have two cars, two cars in the garage. They have to be in the garage at night. I can't have a garage parked out in my driveway or across the yard at night. So I'm really limited. And it's been frustrating to me. I recently checked on storage area nearby, but that doesn't seem like a lot of fun either. But I discovered Hot Wheels. <laughs> These are obviously the miniature cars, but it, it does appeal to me in much the same way, I suppose, and certainly uh, typically less investment, although some of these appear to be uh, pretty, pretty hot out there to say the least. Well, they've been around for 50 years, you know, 50 years since Hot Wheels came out. They were introduced back in the 60s. Wow. And uh, they've done real well. I mean, the first year, they hit the shelves, actually, in 1968. They hit the shelves, selling for 59 cents a piece. And that first year, Mattel sold 16 million of them. 16 million. But here's the deal. Some of these are really, really valuable. And there are people who have massive collections of these. I'm certainly not going to do that, but I'm looking to just play in with it a little bit. But if you have a, a 1969 rear-loading beach bomb VW bus prototype, okay, that's that's one that's really, really hot, estimated at $150,000. This is for a Hot Wheels. I mean, if you have one of the little enamel white custom Camaro prototypes, $100,000. 1968 over chrome Mustang, $40,000. 1968 over chrome Camaro, $25,000. 1968 
1969 Brown Custom Charger, $13,000. I mean, what a hoot. I mean, I love the idea that there are things like this out there. And yeah, I'm looking at that. If you got some old Hot Wheels you want to sell me, hey, let me know. I uh, may be a buyer. Um, I have to get knowledgeable. Now, this is like any investment. If you're going to do real estate or stocks and bonds or whatever it is, you need to understand it. So right now, I'm a newbie. I don't really have any clue what I'm doing in this arena. But I'm confident that I can learn. I would enjoy the learning process. And then, I mean, think about the times you go to yard sales, garage sales out there, street markets and whatever, and there's, you know, kids with big collections there of Hot Wheels. I mean, they're really, really plentiful still. So certainly if they're just plentiful, they may not be worth much of anything. But if you know what you're looking for, and that's what I intend to do. That's my new area of, of education is to get knowledgeable about Hot Wheels so I can play a little bit in that arena, scratch my itch about having more cars and being limited by garage space. All right, let's go into some stories here. Here's a success story really comes from Becky. So it says, Dan, four years ago this month, you encouraged me by replying to my, my email via your podcast. At the time, I was very unhappy working an entry-level job in an eight-to-five corporate environment. Two weeks after your response, I quit that job and began bookkeeping for small businesses. I now enjoy setting my own hours, pursuing the things I love, like music, ministry, writing, building our own personal recording studio business, spending more quality time with my family, all while making three times the salary I was making in my corporate job. I've now begun to broaden my list of services into the areas of investing and retirement planning. Thank you for encouraging the world of listeners to seek out their dreams. Loving the work I do has made me a very happy and fulfilled person. God bless you and your team. Well, thank you, Becky, for your update there, your affirmation, testimony, and love hearing those stories. Love, love, love hearing those. Dan, thank you for addressing my question on your February 10th podcast about options for a parts guy. I've decided to pursue flipping cars. All right, cool. Real cars, not Hot Wheels, I suppose. As I said before, I enjoy cars, and it seems like a natural fit for me. I'm working with a mentor who's already enjoying success in this area. I have a question, though. In your book, No More Dreaded Mondays, you mentioned a guy named Cecil on page 85 that told you you were missing a lot of opportunity and playing it far too safe. By risking failure, you would open yourself up to many more deals and make far more money over time. How can you give more details? Thanks for your encouragement and your time. Love your podcast. Wow, this really takes me back. And yes, you're right. A guy named Cecil that I mentioned in No More Dreaded Mondays. Cecil, Cecil Barrow was his, his name. But an older gentleman who worked for me when I was selling cars in California. Now we had a small lot, you know, had about 30 cars ready at any particular time. Jerry Hall was my partner. He would purchase the cars, get them reconditioned, bring them back to the lot. And then I was in charge of selling them. I was the only sales salesperson. Cecil was an old car guy, but he was there to wipe the cars down in the morning, just kind of be there if I need to run out and run some errands so somebody would be there. So not real active. He was really semi-retired, but just our our regular lot guy there, but he was really wise. He taught me so much. And that was one of those things because early on, you know, the first few months, I was bragging about making money on every single car. And he very gently told me, 
If you're making the money on every single car, you're not stretching enough. You're playing it too safe. You know, you'll do okay, but you're never really going to get rich by making money on every single car. And it really changed my mindset. And so I began stretching more. I started buying cars with the expectation that there would be some where, you know, I'd make a mistake. Gee, the transmission goes out. Or I overestimated what it was really going to be worth. But I started realizing over time that if I made money on 85% of them, as an example, I could do really, really well and increase what I was making over trying to make money on 100%. Now, that may seem kind of counterintuitive, but it's really not. Now, I've since then, I mean, that principle taught me to lower my expectations for success in other ways as well. I mean, I often share that when I set my goals for the beginning of a year, I set my goals with the anticipation that I'll be able to hit about 50% of them, not 100%. And again, if I ever, knowing what I know now, if I ever hit 100%, I'd be mortified because I'd think, wow, I really didn't stretch. I really didn't go for the big dreams at all because you aren't going to hit 100% of those. Now, I talk about your zone of genius, finding your zone of genius. So we have things four different levels, starting at the bottom, things where you're incompetent, things where you're competent, things where you're excellent, and then where you are in your zone of genius. And of course, I try to expand in that zone of genius, as I'm certainly you are as well. But if you're working in an area of competence, something you do well, probably things that somebody else could do as well, but something you do really well, you can be successful pretty much 100% of the time because there's really no risk, you know, pushing yourself to try new things at all. When you move into your area of excellence, things that you're pretty well known for, you know, something unique, a skill that you have. When you move into that, you may lower your success rate by about 80% because you, you may be given more responsibility. Now you're a foreman, you're a leader, you're a division head or whatever. So there's going to be things that are not as predictable and so it's going to lower your area of success. You know what? When you move into your zone of genius, that success rate is going to drop to maybe 50%. That's where I operate. But then what that means is you are going to swing at some really big things and you're going to miss some of those. You know, if, if, if I invest in a business, there's no guarantee that's going to work. But there's also the potential that it'll really be a home run. That's the way it works. That's what I was addressing in that where I mentioned Cecil told me to stretch more, buy cars, or I wouldn't be guaranteed 100%. And the same principle I'm living out today, years later. Cecil's been gone many years now. Great old guy. I remember often some of the mantras that he taught me, but business principles that I'm still using today. All right. Hey, we're going to go through some more questions here and uh, stimulate your thinking, give you some things that you can implement right now in whatever you're doing, no matter what your situation, things you can implement right now. But these questions, if you got a question, if you got a success story, like uh, shared just a minute ago here, or a resource you want to share with people or a question about your own work situation, just go to 48days.com slash ask Dan, submit it there. Again, that's 48days.com slash ask Dan. That's where you can leave your question. All right. Now, Todd says, 
I'm a board-certified family doctor and obesity specialist. I love teaching, coaching, educating, but hate the venue in which I do it. Not to mention I'm a disabled vet, 100% rating for progressive blindness. And some of what I do in practice is getting more difficult. I also have an MBA and am slowly working toward a seminary PhD in church and state studies. Studying, reading, and writing give me up in the morning. Where do I begin to try to monetize this knowledge, expertise, and passion? Wow, Todd, what a, what a broad array of skill sets you have from which to draw. You love teaching, coaching, educating, your family doctor, obesity specialist. All right. Now, it's interesting that you also have an MBA and that you're studying toward a PhD in church and state studies. With what you describe, if you need to continue to monetize, which is what your question is, it certainly would appear that you being a, a family doctor, an obesity specialist, is your highest potential area for continuing to generate money. Now, you may not be able to go to an office and to have people walk in there, you know, in, in a way that you're used to in a, a clinic or doctor's office, but that's okay. There's so many ways you can use your app, your education, your experience in those arenas to continue generating money. And I would think that would have way more potential than trying to use your MBA or a seminary PhD in church and state studies. I mean, those I assume you're doing just for kind of personal expansion to broaden your own knowledge base and areas of personal interest. I mean, that's cool, but my goodness. I mean, we have people like Alan Thomas in the Eagles community who Alan says, I release human potential through weight loss. He has the most amazing stories about working with people and helping them because of mindset. Now he's not a doctor. He's not a nutritionist. He's not a physiologist. He's none of those ist things at all. He's, but he just simply knows what it takes to make the decision. And he tells people it's not a diet. It's a decision. He doesn't care what diet you use. But anyway, you, you can find more out about him. If you go to transformmyfuture.com slash 48 days, you'll see in there some things I said about what he's doing, but uh, some stories about him. But to your question, Todd, being a doctor, you certainly have way more opportunities than Alan does to work in this area of helping people lose weight as an obesity specialist. I would encourage you, and there are things you can do where you'll never have to see a person personally. You don't, you know, you can just talk to them. You may do a Zoom call or just a phone call, but check out things like ZocDoc. This is a fairly new organization out there, Zoc, Z-O-C, doc.com and you can what what you do there i mean people can go there and then they connect connect with a doctor just virtually you could sit in your office all day long and continue to make extraordinary income based on your academic background as a doctor by aligning yourself with an organization like that you might also check out like better help i mean there are others there's certainly others you can find but i would look for opportunities like that to continue to leverage your medical background as a way to continue generating income. And you can certainly continue to monetize that without being in a clinic every day at eight o'clock. He also said, you know, studying, reading, and writing 
get you up in the morning? Wow, the things you could do to write. Write about an area of specialty that you have. You know, get it out there. I mean, writing has served me very well, and it can certainly be a doorway for you as well. All right, this question. Uh, Dan, if I work overtime, I'm neglecting my family. If I don't work overtime, I'm neglecting my employer and her only source of income. My current employer is one hour, 15 minutes away from my home. I'd like to get a job closer to home. However, the jobs around here pay half of what I'm making. I look at moving closer to my current employer and we can't afford that either. I look at starting a business on the side and don't know where I would come up with the time or energy feeling trapped. And then, and then oh, you, you add, when I ask for advice, I usually get one of the two equally worthless answers. It's okay. All things work out for those who love the Lord or yeah, life sucks. What are you going to do? I was wondering what advice you would give me. I'm truly grateful for you and your show. Well, I, I love how you frame this that, yeah, you're, you're right on. I'm not going to tell you just yeah, things work out. Okay. Or life sucks. No, there are things you can do. I mean, and start with don't make generalizations like the jobs around here pay half of what I'm making. All you need is one. I don't care if 99% of the jobs around you are making, uh, pay half of what you're making. And I really doubt that that's true. I mean, pay is pay. It doesn't seem to be that geographic specific at this point. So I, I really doubt that that's true, but don't make that kind of a generalization. Do a job search. I mean, draw a line that takes you 15 minutes from where you live every morning and do a job search there. I mean, no one needs to drive an hour and 15 minutes a job. I mean, you could stick a pin in the United States map anywhere and you and I can come up with five options for jobs or successful businesses within a smaller radius than that. And we can do that in about two hours. Trust me, you really can. Now, I'm, I'm going to send you the latest version of 48 Days to the Work You Love, as I do to anybody whose question I answer here. But go through chapter eight. Chapter eight is where I talk about how to understand your most marketable skills and then position yourself to be attractive to companies. But you can do that. Just do a fresh job search, but get a position if you need a position like that. I mean, as a core career, and that, that's cool if you do, but get a position it doesn't have to be your dream job, but something that's reasonable to provide income for you and your family. And then if you have an idea for a business, would you say you want to start a business on the side, then use that 15 hour model that we talk about so much here to build that six months, be generating 50% of your current income, knowing that then with the trajectory that you're seeing, you can quit your job, move into what you're doing in your own business full time, close the gap and more. And we have, Tons of stories about people doing exactly that. Okay. Let me just grab maybe one more here. Okay. Frank says, I bought your book, 48 Days to the Work You Love, years ago when I heard your program regularly. Regularly, recently responded to your email and signed up for the 48 Days Eagles. I have a lot less time these days as I drive semi-truck with my wife. What exactly can I expect to get out of this club? I do enjoy the Mighty Networks group, but I don't understand the rest of the benefits. We are in our mid-50s. We have a lot of capitalized student loan debt. I still have dreams of owning a hammock business. 
but we have opportunity to get in business owning a truck. Will this just sidetrack or give valuable experience and resources toward my dream? We have no retirement saved, and I want to do something before it's too late. Well, thanks for your question, Frank. You got a whole bunch of questions packed in there. I want to address what you're going to get out of the Eagles, which is one of your questions, but I want to address just in general what you're talking about as well. You have dreams of owning a hammock business, you say, but you have a chance to drive a truck. All right, so you need to look at how far down that dream development are you of owning a hammock business. I mean, if you already have an online site where you can sell them there, you have um, vendors lined up where you can purchase those, you know what your margins are, maybe you don't need to get another job. Just move into that and do it. I had a friend who was working for one of the semiconductor companies for years and years and years. And then that job went away when one of the mergers, acquisitions went away. And he knew he was marketable. He could go get another job. But they had also purchased a small martial arts studio in that period of time. And his wife said, hey, instead of just going to get another job, why don't we just really lean into this and make this your source of income, which they did and have done that very successfully. So instead of going to have something else as a core career, they just moved into that, something he really enjoyed. They happen to have six sons and uh, most of the kids are involved in the business as well. It's been a really fun family experience. As a matter of fact, he was he's one of the investors in our Eagles Innovation Group at this point because things are going so well. So you don't, you don't want to take something that may be a distraction if you have your dream job pretty well formulated and ready to go. Now, if you don't, then certainly driving a semi, I mean, it still gives you some flex time, time to think, to listen. You can listen to content that's going to help you develop your business idea more, but you ought to have a pretty clear plan of when you want to make that transition if it really is something that you want to develop. I mean, a hammock business, and I don't know anything about it, but I guarantee in three days I could know a whole lot about it. So if you are researching that, have a plan put together, how you're going to market it, what your distinct advantage is, how are you different than all the other companies out there? You know, what is it people are going to think about when they think about your company, your brand? So figure those things out. By all means, I encourage you I want to see that hammock business up and running. Sounds really cool. Now, as to your question about what you're going to receive in the 40 Days Eagles community, it, it's probably, sometimes I'm concerned that it's overwhelming because there's so much that we offer in there. So you're familiar with the Mighty Networks group. So it's a closed group that we have there. You don't see all the distractions like if you are in a Facebook group. I mean, a lot of online communities are just a Facebook group. And so you still have all those interruptions and distractions. That's not true in what we do. It's Mighty Networks. You can log in to that. And everything you see there has been put in by by a member of that community, 48 Days Eagles. But we have our Monday Mentor Calls. To start with, when you when you join, you know, you're going to get a package from me with the a note, personal note from me, then you get an opportunity to be on our Monday mentor calls where every week I have some outside expert that shares on how to grow a business. This last week we had Justin Janowski on. Justin is a master at selling. And it's you, you hear nothing about the hype, the pushiness, handle objections, close, close, none at all. He simply knows how to make it an invitation. 
and have people ask to walk right in. It's really beautiful. So anyway, that's what we do. But we do that every Monday, have somebody on like that. Now, four times a year, we have Eagle's Nest. where We have groups of limited to 20 people on specialty topics like podcasting, coaching, online selling, businesses, ministry, writing, music, art, and so on, that are led by volunteer members, but people who have expertise in those areas. So those are really, really popular. They meet once a week for four weeks. That's all included in your membership. We have designated deans in multiple areas of expertise. So we have seven different deans, dean of coaching, Giovanna Ellison, dean of speaking is Jen McDonough, dean of mindset, Marianne Renner, and goes on and on and on. Dean of writing is Nick Pavlidis, an attorney from Boston, dean of business, Greg Gray. So those are the dean of podcasting is Eric K. Johnson. But we have access to those people to help you with your specific idea and how you want to move forward. And last year we did a, a year-long study of one book, Think and Grow Rich. You know, then we spent, well, actually that was two years ago. Then last year we spent every last Monday of each month, we would review a particular book. This year we're doing something a little bit better. I mean, I mean, we're going through, well, different. I don't know, maybe it's not better, but it's different at least. But we have little segments like video clips. We will have people watching and we discuss it together. This last time we did that last month, we did that. We looked at the 100 days of rejection where the young guy wanted to experience, he wanted to make his skin tougher, really, to be able to handle rejection better. So he purposely set himself up for 100 days of rejection. It's really hilarious. I mean, you can find the video out there, just 100 days of rejection. But that's what we did. We walked through that as a group and talked about how we can become more immune to getting rejection. Again, if you're if you're swinging big, you're going to get no's for sure. If everybody says yes to you, you aren't, you aren't stretching very much. Anyway, so we did that. I mean, you get a weekly newsletter. We've got a dedicated podcast channel just for our Eagles content. Um, we have a clear member journey laid out. So you tell us about your business and we'll give you a path. That hammock business, we give you a path to walk on, to walk right out and what you want to do. We have topical areas where members can share ideas and resources together. We have a really robust library of courses. We have a, a member volunteer manned hotline that you can call anytime you want to and talk to a real person. So, so we have amazing testimonials about that. Um, you get happy birthday wishes. We celebrate when you've been in for five years, you get a bronze eagle. I mean, those are fun to send out. Um, we have one, one of the newest things, of course, are these meetups that we're having. We just put out the word here on the podcast for people who wanted to host those meetups to let us know about that. So just last week, Joanna and I were in Keller, Texas. Uh, Eagles member Nathan Magnuson put that together with one of his contacts. So we use the space at Venture Church, Venture Business Impact Center. Really had a great experience. They're just really connected with the pastor and what they're doing at the church, but they allowed us to use the space at no charge. And we had a whole bunch of Eagles there where we spent an entire day together looking at how to create meaningful relationships that are going to explode your business idea. There's nothing that I know of that's going to make you money faster than to increase your number of meaningful relationships. That's what we talked about. So anyway, that's some of the things that you get being part of that. I hope that 
interest you. If any of you are listening or not members of the Eagles, you can just go to 48dayseagles.com and uh, get on a waiting list there. I think we're going to have a date in, I think we're going to have a date in April uh, that's coming up where we're going to be open again, but we bring people in in groups so we can walk them through that initial process well. So love to talk to you about that. All right. Hey, remember our quotation for today was from Helen Keller, where she says, security is mostly a superstition. It does not exist in nature, nor do the children of men as a whole experience it. Avoiding danger is no safer in the long run than outright exposure. Life is either a daring adventure or nothing. Wow, I love that. Hey, I know you're on an adventure, this thing we call life. What an adventure where you can try ideas, keep stretching yourself, don't have to play it safe, get out there, do things that others aren't doing, and get the rewards thereof. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for sending in your questions, for being open to growing, being a powerful force for making the world a better place. You know, what I'd love for you to do is is to share this episode with three or four or more of your friends who are also committed to personal growth. I mean, they'll thank you for it. If you become known as somebody who is positive, somebody who offers hope and encouragement, you know, right now, there's so many naysayers out there. And that's just true everywhere. But you can really be a voice for optimism. Joanne and I were just talking this week about that, that, you know, there's a particular circle that we're in where we hear a lot of negativity. And it's like, wow, should we just not be there? And I said, let's, let's just be a voice of light in that group. You know, we, we can really change the dynamic. Let's see how we can change the conversations in there by just being positive rather than complaining and whining, which is seems to be so common. So become that kind of person. I know you already are and stay committed to your belief along with me that we can, without a shadow of a doubt, create or find, but probably create work and a life that is meaningful, purposeful and profitable. Have a wonderful week.